Good morning and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. Thanks for joining us today and uh, whether this is your first time with us or your umpteenth time with us, we're very glad you're here and I want to extend a warm welcome to you and to all those who are watching at home as well. Thank you for joining us today. Mark chapter 10 verses 35 to 45. It's titled, The Request of James and John. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the, with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that these who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, because, um, particularly for those who are younger here, because I have your best interests at heart, I want to do something that's going to help you, uh, because many of you have spent time thinking about your, your future and um, what are you going to do with your life. Uh, people interminably ask you the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, well, today's the day we're going to help you decide. Or maybe you're going to help me. So this, this board here is not here by accident. I'm going to try and make sure uh, all relevant parties can see it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some options, okay? And you're going to help me think about whether, uh, which one of these would be more successful or which one of these would be more important to be, okay? So let me give you an easy one to start with. Smart or not Smart. Which one would be more important, the person who is smart or the person who's not smart? So we'll put the important ones at the top and the less important ones at the bottom, okay? So what do you think? Um, smart goes top or bottom? Top? Top, okay. Um, okay, we'll stick that up there. And uh, hmm, should have pre-tacked these. We could be here all day. The second one is, 
Who's more important, the boss or the worker? Who's more important? We can have a vote on it if you want. Who thinks the boss should go at the top? What do you want to be, a boss or a worker? Who thinks the worker should go at the top? Gosh, capitalism is dead. thought if we would get the right answer anywhere, it would be here. Okay, we'll bow to the crowd and we'll put the boss at the bottom and la revolution, the worker at the top. All right, we'll see how we go with this. Gosh, to be liked or not liked. Liked is more important, that's successful. Okay, okay. All right. Thank you. We just got a couple more. Right, really test your credentials here. To be rich or to be poor? Oh, I changed your tune now, you lot. Okay. All right, rich and poor. I think I've got one more. Yeah, all right. This is good. To be famous or to be unknown? What do we think? What will will we put at the top? Famous? Good shout. Okay. All right. Famous. Now, in the, the verses that Val read for us, Uh, James and John, what did they want to be? Did they see themselves kind of down here, or did they see themselves up here? They saw themselves up here. They wanted to be important. And these are the kind of things that today we think make someone important. So they knew that Jesus was the Savior whom God had sent, God's promised King, And so they expected that someday Jesus was going to show everyone that he was God's king. And with power, maybe someday soon, he was going to to maybe lead a small army or or, or who knows, he was maybe going to call down the armies from heaven and he was going to take up his throne in Jerusalem. He'd show everyone he was the king. And James and John, they loved this idea And so it's as if they come up beside Jesus and uh, they're trying to get in with him, you see. They think, well, let's, let's get in before the others. And they say to him, we want you to give us the best seats in the kingdom to be the most important people in the kingdom. And that's how we think about things. They jump in there to try and get a head start on everyone else. Jesus says that's not how things work in his kingdom. James and John want to be first to claim the seats of honor, the seats at Jesus' right and left hand. 
so that when people look to the king, whose heads will they see beside him? James and John. And you can see that this is what they're they're thinking. You know, they think that they want to have the more important seats because when the other disciples find out about this, it says in verse 41, they became indignant, which means they were really miffed. And I think probably your friends would feel the same, wouldn't they, if you started to say that you thought you were better than them and that maybe you deserved a more prominent place than them because uh, you have something that maybe they don't. But Jesus says what we've already realized by this list that we put up on the board. He says, this is verse 42 if you're following, he says to his disciples, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so, you know, the kings of the world, that they lord it over their people. High officials exercise authority over them. What makes them important is that they get to be the boss, is that they get to order people around. And this is how the world works. To be at the top is to be powerful. It is to have people underneath you. That's what makes you important. But Jesus says, the way up is down. He says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. You see, it's not whether someone is smart or rich or famous or whether they're a boss with lots of people under them that makes them important in God's sight. To our eyes, God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. In fact, in God's kingdom, it kind of sits around the other way. Those who think they are first, those who think they're important, will find that in God's kingdom, they're not. The way to rise to the top is not knocking other people out of the way. It's not how high you can climb compared to other people. It's about how low you're willing to go. It's not about getting over someone, but serving someone preferring someone else's needs to your own. Now, I could give you lots of examples of uh, how we might do that, but there's a problem. If I was just to do that, we would have a big problem because, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't often like serving other people. Um, we don't like other, making other people look better than us. Certainly, sometimes we do things that serve someone else's needs, but the Bible tells us that deep down in our hearts, we're actually selfish. We think we are more important than everyone else, and that even when we do good things, it's usually because it suits us in some way. Now, the way to grasp what Jesus is speaking about here in Mark chapter 10 is to look at Him. That's what He tells us. To be the slave of all describes what he did. Even though he is the greatest, even though he is the one who created everything, even though he's the one who holds the whole universe together just by his word, he came down to the earth, became a human being, 
lived a life that was poor. He wasn't a boss. He was poor. It seems when you read the Gospels, he didn't own anything really other than the shirt on his back. But more than that, he went lower and lower and lower because he was rejected by everyone. He was nailed to a cross and he died so that folks like you and me could be forgiven. And so all who believe in him, they first have to go through Jesus Christ. They have to, to do what he has done in a sense. They have to realize that we're sinful, that we need to die to our sin and that we need new life. And Jesus has come so that any who believe in him will have his spirit within them. His Holy Spirit will produce fruit in our lives, fruit that makes us more like Jesus, not selfish fruit, but fruit that makes us serve other people, because that's what Jesus did. But I want to be as clear as I can be. This only counts for anything if you have, unless, if you have first trusted Jesus Christ. If we've had our sins forgiven by believing in Him and giving our whole selves to Him, then we are free to serve others. And so whatever age you are today, my prayer is that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you admit that you need forgiven for the wrong things you've done, that you believe that Jesus really did die for you, that He really did rise from the dead for you, and commit to follow Him for the rest of your life. And for all who are followers of Jesus, well, this part of the Bible challenges us to be ready to serve other people, doesn't it? We understand how much Jesus has done for us when we didn't deserve anything from Him. And so we want to love others too. Now, usually here I would give a few examples of how we could do that. But here's my challenge to you. If you are 12 or under, you may find a piece of paper and some carefully chosen crayons nearby. If not, there are some on the collection box at the back we can get to you. In the next five minutes, this is an artistic challenge this, this month. In the next five minutes, draw me a picture of some way that you could serve someone else this week. If I see anyone over 12 doing this, you're in trouble. 12 and under. <laughs> next five minutes, you've got to work on that. And those who are over 12 are going to have to listen to me a little bit longer. Ready? Let's go. Jesus says to his disciples here in Mark 10 that there's, there's, a, there's a pattern. He's, he's equipping his followers to continue on his ministry after he's returned to heaven. And so James and John, it does seem, doesn't it, that they see this shortcut to glory because they're able to get Jesus' ear I mean, recently there's, there's been a bit of outcry about this sort of thing happening in government, you know, with the, these uh, countless number of people who are employed as lobbyists, uh, people who have connections to those in high places. And the idea being, or at least this is the accusation being made, if you have connections to people in high places, you're much more likely to get the spoils of a government contract or something like that. But Jesus, he does not operate like this, not at all. In fact, without the two disciples realizing it, Jesus tells James and John that the path ahead for them is anything but a path 
of uninterrupted glory. I mean, that's what they're expecting is coming next. Jesus will take the throne and we'll all be in glory. Look again at verses 37 and 38. Their request is, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? You see, James and John, they saw themselves sharing in Jesus' glory, but on what basis? Jesus asks them, well, are you, are you able to do the things that I'm going to do, that you think that you would be sitting virtually on my throne with me? Are you able to do those things? Are you able to do the great achievement that I will achieve? Drink the cup I drink? Be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And it's clear in verse 39 that James and John haven't got a clue what he's talking about. We can, they answered. And I think that for these guys, they, they, they must have taken Jesus' words absolutely literally. At some point, I'm sure they did drink from the same cup that Jesus drank from. And they had been baptized in the same way he was. But Jesus here is pointing them to something else. Because the cup that Jesus is going to drink is the cup of God's wrath, the cup of God's judgment. And you remember when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, what does he ask of his Father? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It was this cup that caused great sweat drops like, of, of blood like sweat pouring from him, the agony of contemplating this cup that lay before him. Listen to these words from Psalm 75. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. It's powerful language here of this, this cup of foaming wine that will be poured out as judgment on the wicked. Jesus says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized? Can you be immersed in the same thing I'm going to be immersed in? You see, Jesus is going to the cross. He is going to lay down his life. It is his supreme obedience to God as the servant of all, laying down his life as a ransom for many, as he puts it in verse 45. That is the path to glory for Jesus. In fact, when Paul writes to the Philippians and he speaks about this humiliation of Christ, he gave himself up to death, even death on the cross. The next line is, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Because he sank so low, therefore, he has been exalted to this highest place. And so Jesus says to these guys, you, you, you think you can drink the same cup I'm going to drink? You're going to sit on the same seat of glory as I am? And they say, we can. And so Jesus actually explains that there is a pattern here. 
He says, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. He says, you will drink from the same sort of cup. You will suffer. You will even lose your life for my sake. You will lay down your lives for the sake of the gospel. Your life will be the life that is shaped like a cross, just as mine is. One of self sacrifice, one of self-giving, not one of self-gathering. And this is expressed, if we've understood this, in its most basic way, it is to give oneself away for the benefit of another. And anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, surely as a foundation, has grasped that that's why they're Christians, because the greatest one gave himself away for your benefit. And so we live a life where we receive and we serve one another. And I suppose the question I want to ask is, to what extent do you think our church community reflects that cross-shaped life? What sort of a church do we want to be? Do we really only want those that the world puts at the top of this list? Those who will come and they'll be net contributors. Life is much easier when you've got net contributors. Because, you know, many churches like ours very easily get this reputation that they are only for those that the world says are important and strong. But that is not how the community of Christ functions. And if it is, then it has ceased to be the community of Christ. We spent a number of months reading through the book of James, and wasn't that his message? When we start to to judge people based on these worldly characteristics, we've started to deny the gospel. Paul says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Because it is when we are servant-hearted that we are most like Christ. So look around. Read through your church directory this week. Who, who could you serve? Who is in some need? Who would benefit from some encouragement? Maybe you could sign up for the um, uh, practical support um, that is available to people in need. Um, there are lots of ways that we can simply do this. And I pray that as we reflect more on the the self-giving of Christ, that we too would give ourselves. Um, Let me pray for us before we go. Let's pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now and evermore and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, and God bless you this week.